Hello, and welcome to an episode of Melanated and Educated. I'm your host, Destiny, and today we're going to be talking about One True Loves by Elise Bryant. First of all, I feel like I never do the spoiler warming. Ooh, warming, global warming, climate change. Um, so, sorry. Um, I feel like I never do the the spoiler warning before I start spoiling so before I forget because I literally go like five minutes of talking about whatever I'm talking about and then I'll be like oh spoiler warning and I'm just kind of like oh that's my bad that's definitely my bad so um yeah spoiler warning I don't know if it's gonna be like major spoilers but I do know I'm gonna be talking about the book a lot and probably I might give away a couple of plot points so I just want you to know spoilers um and so this is actually very exciting for me because this is the first episode of 2022 that I'm actually recording because I took like this whole hiatus and everything and so I'm just so excited and I'm so excited to talk about this book. I just read it like this week when it came out actually and it, the whole thing is just very exciting for me. I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure you can tell. Um, but One True Loves by Elise Bryant is actually a sequel to one of my favorite books um, from last year that I had like a whole like 40 minute episode about I'm pretty sure called Happily Ever Afters and um it's like okay so first of all this is kind of like the holy grail for so many reasons i've also had an episode about this book and it get re- it gets referenced in this universe a lot like for um i guess okay let me just okay okay so in middle school i was obsessed with anna and the french kiss and so was Tessa, who is the main character of Happily Ever Afters, because she's kind of like me, like I'm kind of exactly like her, especially in One True Loves when she's like hyping up the story of Lenore, who's the main character of One True Loves for a multitude of reasons. Tessa is like, she's very romantic. She loves to read and write and she loves love stories so freaking much. Like she's obsessed with love stories, everything. She th- she thinks every every day is like an opportunity to fall in love. I'm, I'm not as intense but I think I can definitely relate to her and especially in this book because she's just so over the top and extra about everything that Lenore goes through as a best friend should be and yeah so that's just kind of some backstory before I get into the entire book which I just realized I'm gonna do anyway so I didn't really need to do that but it's okay it's okay um so once you loves follows Lenore who is like I said the best friend of Tessa but she's also so much more and she doesn't really know what to do with that she has just graduated high school by the time Mo- oh, but by like the beginning of the book like we don't miss the graduation and she's kind of feeling inadequate even though she had like a great like she had like great scores in class she had like a 4.2 gpa but she's surrounded on both sides because she's the middle child which already a red flag for me not like for me but like for her like for her life like she was gonna get compared either way so her little sister etta is like a prodigy she's 10 and taking college classes and her older brother wally is um he's like a genius and he's going to law school in the fall and she's just not enough for her parents or like that's how it feels sometimes she's really interested in art in all different forms and so Basically, now that she's graduated, she has to figure out her future. I mean, she's applied to college. She's got into college. She's been accepted to NYU. And she picked a major, but she's not really sold on it. And her parents find out and they're like, look, you need to figure out your future. We liked that you, you know, you like to bounce around and be creative. And, you know, you like to go all around and try these different arts and stuff but you need to settle down you can't be flighty 
And it goes into this whole thing of like, you know, black people get judged. First impressions are everything and you can't keep getting more impressions. You can't have a second impression in the real world, like outside of high school and, you know, middle school, you know, outside of school. And so they basically are like, look, we love you, but this has to stop. And so they basically, it's not really an ultimatum. It's just like, this has to happen. There's no other option. They tell her that by the end of their 12-day cruise that they're taking as a family, she needs to figure out her future. Like, that's it. Point blank. Um, First of all, a lot of pressure on there. A lot of pressure. And Lenore does face a lot of pressure just like overall in the book from her parents, from her family, because she does feel inadequate most of the time because it's like, if my friend, I mean, not my friends, (laughs) if my siblings are both prodigies, right? Like, what am I supposed to do? What am I meant, like... I am a perf. I am a great student, and it's still not enough because of who I'm surrounded by. I am still the lackluster one, and it's just sucky. It sucks for her, really. And I think I can relate to, um, you know, doing like overall having really good grades. Like anyone would be impressed, and just feeling like they're not enough. And it's not from my parents. I don't get that pressure from them, but I do feel that pressure from myself, especially when I'm surrounded by like these super geniuses at school, and it's just like. I can definitely relate to her. Um, Lenore is a very relatable character, both in her situation and um, just the way she feels about it. Because she realizes, like, my grandparents didn't even get to go to college. Like, they were the type of people who had to, like, drop out of school to work on their family's farm. Of course, my parents want me to be better than them. Because there's always this, this need for parents to push their children to be better than I was. You know, do better than me. I'm not the goal. I am the bar you need to exceed. And so, but the thing is, Lenore has these amazing parents who have amazing careers and an amazing life. So she feels very privileged, but also very torn because she's like, I don't know if I can be better, especially when the standard is so high. I just just don't know if I can do it. And so basically her relationship with her family is kind of weird in that her older brother, Wally, who used to be her best friend, has been very like off lately very weird, doesn't want to talk to her, very kind of kind of mean, kind of snotty. And her younger sister, Etta, the genius, I mean, hasn't had a problem with her, but is very analytical and less of like a 10-year-old little sister and more of like, I, I'm better. Like, I don't know. She's not, she's just very, you know, like Sheldon, like young Sheldon, because obviously Big Bang Theory had some problems. I'm not going to lie. If you don't know the Big Bang Theory, it's about scientists that are kind of misogynistic and their wives slash girlfriends slash friends that are girls that turn into their love interests, minus Raj, who is the only person of color in the group, which can be impact, but that's not what this is about. Anyways, Sheldon is like, he. if you've ever watched young Sheldon or like seen it or you know anything about it, it's about this little boy who is like a genius and he stands out from the rest of his family and sometimes you feel like it's hard for you to know how they actually feel about each other because they are so different and that's how it feels with Ed and Lenore for most of the book and I don't know it makes me feel sad for Lenore because I feel like she's kind of isolated from her family and it's different because before she had her older brother and she did feel like her parents were kind of cool with the way that she was just kind of like a go with the flow kind of person and now it's like a whole big thing of like you can't do that you know like problem don't do that ever again in your life like mm. I mean that's not what they said but that's kind of how it felt and she kind of talks about that too like your parents can tell you they love you a billion times but the main thing you're going to hear is that sometimes you're the problem like the one bad thing they say the one criticism is going to overcome everything else most of the time like I don't know if, if that's for everyone but for me it's kind of like 
if if someone constantly tells me that like they love me of course i'm gonna appreciate them loving me i'm gonna i'm gonna love that obviously i mean i mean <laughs> you know what i mean but like the second it's like you need to do better even though i know they love me even though i know they're telling me this because they love me it's still gonna stick in my brain that they think like oh i'm not enough and sometimes it's like you self-insert like what you're you're just assuming and that's one thing about Lenore that they talk about you can't assume the worst like because you do assume the worst she assumes that love will never come to her because she always gets screwed over she assumes that her parents aren't proud of her because of her older and younger siblings who are excelling even though she's excelling she's not excelling at the same height and so it is very difficult for her at times and she knows that it's not because she's in the arts that they're like they would they're not disappointed but it feels like they're disappointed because of who she's being compared to because her parents always compare her to her siblings and so that's just a lot on her and i totally get it which is why i'm seeing like how relatable she is i feel like especially because of the way she's living like she's a lot like me like a black girl who wants to be the best at something and doesn't know if she can be so she gives up or she finds interest in something else and it's really hard to not be the best at something you love to do it really is and so that's why i kind of like completely understand where she's coming from at all times i don't know um but i don't want it to i don't want it to seem like this book is like super sad i mean like it has it's it's just real mostly like lenore is someone you can she feels like someone you could be friends with like you understand she has struggles she's also very funny and she's also very tired of having to be funny. I feel like there was actually a really good excerpt about this. I've highlighted so many things in this book. Like, I've never really highlighted so many things before. But it's just kind of like, yeah, I highlighted so many things in this book. I'm going to try to find it. But it's like, she was talking about how she had to make people like her. Because she was in the gifted class, but she tested a grade after everyone else. Like, she didn't test the first year. And so... Basically, like, how am I going to, I'm trying to find it. I have it on my Kindle and I'm just like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry. I was like, (laughs) why does it always take, why don't I have things pulled up? Okay, okay, I found it, I found it, I found it. Okay. (laughs) Why, why is it so funny to me? I'm sorry. If you asked anyone who's met me, they would say I'm an extrovert, but that's not my natural state. It's something I have to do intentionally, talking and laughing and being loud and cracking jokes until I feel like my teeth and cheeks are buzzing and I need to rest and recover. It's all performative. It takes a lot of work. I can remember the first time I made a conscious decision to make people like me. It was fourth grade and even though gifted and talented class starts in third, I was just beginning then. My mom didn't agree with the per with the previous year's results, something about bias in the assessment. So she made them retest me, and look at that, apparently I should have been there all along. Except the kids in class didn't accept me as easily, and it didn't help that their moms were whispering too about my mom going up to the school and making a scene. No one wanted to talk to me in class or play with me at recess. It was a whole thing. So I decided to fix it. I told loud jokes that kept the whole lunchroom laughing. I memorized something unique about everyone and was already was always ready with a tailored heartfelt compliment i made everyone feel special i wore outrageous outfits that made miss chang our teacher smile as soon as i strutted into the classroom i was goofy and social and charming i put on a show to make them like me i was relentless until it worked because see it's a little hard to hate someone who's making you laugh and making you feel good about yourself 
If people love being around you, they stop worrying about whether you deserve to be there in the first place. Hello, that's crazy. Like, sorry, that was like a very, jar- I thought that wasn't like too abrupt. I feel like I, I might have jump scared a little bit, but you know, like, the- <laughs> she just gets me. She's so real for that. Like, hello. I really do love Lenore. I love how she reacts with her older, like, family members, like her grandma, her aunt and stuff, because I feel like that's very relatable. I don't know. I feel like in some ways, Elaine Bryant, the author, captured a lot of, like, the black teen girl experience that I have had. Obviously, not everyone has the same experience. But she's also kind of missed the mark for me a little bit. And I haven't even gotten to the romance yet, but we're going to get to that after this. One reason why is I feel like at one point she just started pulling up Urban Dictionary or she started looking up common black people phrases. I'm so sorry. Like, I know that she's black, but there's something about the way she like constantly. I don't know. She's just trying to appeal to like young people. So she puts in like what she thinks is young people lingo or like like, I don't know what it would be. I don't know. I'm sorry. There's no reason that Lenore says boy so many times. And you might be like, what are you talking about? And honestly, at first I was like, maybe it's just me because I say girl to refer to a lot of people all the time. Like I'll be like, girl, hey, I'm going to even, I'm going to be talking to like a boy that I know, like a friend. I don't talk to like random people. Like, and just like, like, but anyways, it's like a part of my dialect, my language, what have you. Right. So I feel like I get it. I think it's 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 something about the way Lenore kind of talks like she's someone's grandmother. I don't know. And I mean that and like the like boy please. Like boy, are you are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Like boy, 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 boy. I'm sorry. I'm being very nitpicky because I did like this book, but it just it distracted me so much. Like I don't know. I don't know what it was about me, but it's like cuz she literally like she literally her grandma literally says boy. And then it's like I don't know. I don't. I just feel like she says it a little too much for me. And I just mean it's. It's not that it's, she says it too much. It's like she says it back to back in like a chapter, um, like but and it's literally to the love interest. So I feel like it's like she's like, she thinks he's. You know, it bothers me. It irks me. I just feel like we just call him by his name. Just call him Alex and call it a day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like I said, I'm I'm being very like nitpicky. I'm being very nitpicky. I just feel like maybe we should we should we should find a new way to refer to him because it just bothers me. Like I know the book is published. I know I read the book. I know I said I loved it. And these things are true. However, comma that was just one thing and it kind of just like got me. It got me. It just had me but Oh, it didn't have me heated for real, but it was just kind of like, can we, can we not, can we not do that ever again? Thank you so much. But yeah, so at times, or like when she said AF, and no one says AF, especially who says like, well, no, people do, but like in this day and age, are we saying that in our minds still? Like, are we still doing that in our, in, in our heads? Like, are we really like, oh my gosh, that was corny AF. I've never said that. I'm not gonna lie to you, but maybe somebody has, and it's just like I'm tripping. Like maybe I'm just not the. I don't know. I don't expect Lenore and I to be exactly the same, of course. And we do have. We are very different in some ways, like in our situational lives. Um, but I don't know that something about the way adults talk when they want young people to feel like they're looking at a young person's life. Just don't do that. I feel like she didn't really do that with Tessa. I don't know if it's because Tessa, 
like has like i don't know if it's because lenore is fully black and tessa was biracial who identified as black but still like i don't know if it's because they had different families so she assumes they have different like dialects because of the people who they were around like raised around which could be true like i do say some things that like my grandparents say like and it is kind of weird when i go to school and i'm like talking like my grandpa which I, you know what i mean so it's like i get it I do, but I don't because I feel like there just needs to be a little bit less of it like back to back to back. But anyways, on to the fun part, which is also kind of like the main part of the book, which is the romance. It has love in the title. Obviously, there's romance. Um, Lenore has a bad rep. Not a bad rep, a bad rap. I always get those words confused because I feel like they're kind of similar, but they're not at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, anyways. Laura has like she just has a bad history with guys let me say that and it doesn't help that her best friend Tessa is like obsessed with romance and thinks that she's gonna fall in love especially when she finds out that Lenora is going on a 12-day cruise and she's like oh my gosh like this is the perfect opportunity for you to fall in love like I literally highlighted it because it's like Tessa is so freaking okay let me see okay this is this is so funny to me this is um what she said she said it's this is what Tessa said, I mean. She said, it's like you've hit the romance jackpot, except instead of money pouring out the slot machine, it's hearts and cute boys and sunshine and gelato and romantic historian buildings and, I don't know, maybe even condoms. And first of all, whoa, Tessa got real bold since last time I read about her. She would never, ever talk about anything sexual related. She was worried about holding hands with a boy, okay? But you know she is a senior in high school, so it's like, I get it. I get it. I do. Uh, and it's funny that this whole conversation is taking place because in the beginning of the book, they're on their way to prom. And we find out that um, basically uh, Lenore's crush, less the guy she's talking to. When I say talking, I mean like talking to. Like we're not dating, but we should be exclusive at this point because we've been ta- we've been talking and like kissing and stuff. Well, she, they, I don't know. I don't, I don't. <laughs> but basically she finds out that the guy she's been talking to, she doesn't know if he's okay. The guy she's talking to at the beginning of the book, his name is Jay. Um, and basically, he doesn't want to, like, claim her as his girlfriend because of his parents. Because they're very focused on his studies, according to him. But the real truth is, um, his parents are anti-black. And he ends up with another Asian person. He ends up with an Asian girl. And I think this can, I think this should be said that. I really do appreciate like how it wasn't like oh he's like the villain but he also is very ignorant because some of the jokes he made around Lenore and the way she felt like she just had to ignore it like I feel like that is very relatable and I do appreciate that the author not only highlighted this and highlighted how black girls don't often feel desired and highlighted the anti-blackness that sometimes occurs in the Asian community that is just very prominent and you know I feel like that never really gets touched on outside of like an academic setting like or like you know those um those political like informational type instagrams that always have like a weird aesthetic like not weird but it's like why are you so aesthetic when you're talking about like brutality like I'm sorry I'm sorry and some of those pages I do follow when they're not like constantly shoving stuff down my throat because I'm not gonna lie to you I can't handle like the constant hate of my people on my feet every day social media for me is like a nice soft happy place um that i talk to my friends on and post pretty pictures like i'm not built for that um to be seen on social media like obviously i talk i i look at i i think you i think you understand like what i mean it's very draining sometimes especially as a black person to see like everyone hate black people all the time like this morning i got on instagram 
and without a content warning and this is going to be a trigger this is kind of triggering um if you remember the murder of george floyd there was it was it's related to this and it's about attempted murder or violence towards a child and basically i go on instagram today and someone posts on their story like no warning no nothing that um george floyd's niece was shot in her sleep um and she's in the hospital and I don't know about you, but sometimes it's nice to just escape and feel like black girls and black people can be wanted and loved. I mean, not that it's an escape, like it's true in real life. But you know, sometimes I like to focus on these books and just feel good about myself and feel good about the fact that people can fall in love and be happy. And so with Lenore, I guess it's nice that I can relate to her just like I related to Tessa, even though we have different lives and just like how we view the world and how we are viewed by the world. And so, I don't know. I like when I can relate without feeling like I'm being drained to death. Because this is the truth. A lot of people are anti-black. This is the truth. A lot of people fetishize black girls. A lot of people never want to date black girls. A lot of people have a lot to say about black girls and being with them and not being with them. And how we look and how we dress and how we talk. And so, it's nice to just be able to read books by this author that have two very different black girls. In the sense that they have, they're very different people. And they, I can still relate to both of them. That's really nice. So, yeah. Um, and basically, uh, Lenore finds out that the guy she was talking to, Jay, ends up getting with another girl. She finds out at prom. And it's the worst thing ever because he starts kissing the girl in front of her at prom. After literally, like, hooking up with her, like, all the time for the past school year. Like, who does that? Who does that? Jay. That's who. He sucks. Okay. And so, I don't know, I just felt like, dang, like, you, you're horrible. But yeah, so that's how the book starts off, and so she's basically like, this is just more proof that I'm not going to fall in love, like, I'm never going to be in love, because the last time she was in a relationship, she was in a relationship with this guy who she knew since she was, like, little, and they, like, went to church together, they got reunited, basically, at, like, mentoring at a church camp, they got together, then he broke up with her saying he didn't want to be in a relationship, and then got with a light-skinned girl who doesn't really have a discernible personality, like, two weeks later, after he said he didn't want to have a serious relationship because he didn't have the time. Okay, I see who you are. I see you for who you are, you rascal, okay? Um, so, yeah. It kind of touches on, you know, colorism, too. And just, like, this person is more desirable and calm and stuff. But it's not as deep on that as it is about, like, living as a black person, having privilege, because you don't live, like, in the stereotypical, like, movie type setting of like oh I'm from the hood or my parents are poor or I can't afford to go to college or you know any of these things like Lenore does have the life of like an upper middle class person and so because of that it's like I don't know it's different and I even though I'm not as rich as Lenore's family is I still can relate to that so it's kind of like yeah you know yeah and so She's just, I don't know, I don't know. Lenore deserves love, obviously, but she doesn't feel like she does. No, she doesn't feel like she, she feels like she deserves love. She doesn't feel like she's ever going to get it because of the way her, like, past experiences have gone. And so, not only does she not have a love life anymore, she doesn't know what her future is going to be. And now she's been given this ultimatum and she's just got a lot of pressure. First of all, I'm sorry, this is a highlight that I just find it so funny um it's from the third chapter after the whole thing for prom like after the whole like thing about the guy like kissing another girl at prom and being like i don't need to talk about don't be weird about it 
Um, it says, if this were a Marvel movie, this would be my villain origin story. First of all, I love you. I love you. The thing is, Lenore is very funny, but she's also tired of having to be funny, you know? But she's just, like, naturally, like, super funny. I don't know. And I don't know. Like, I just feel like... <laughs> Wait. Okay, here's another one. Now, I... Uh, oh, okay. So, basically, she's talking about, like, her situation. She says, I am now painfully aware, thanks to my parents laying out for me in no uncertain terms, that I am not, in fact, my ancestors' wildest dreams. <laughs> She just feels like she could be my friend. And so I just love that. But basically, back to what I was saying about the romance. She's like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to fall in love. And then she goes on this cruise and her best friend Tessa's like, yeah, you're going to fall in love. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And she's like, yeah, no, not happening. And then she meets a guy who like is like, hey, I'm so sorry to do this, but my ex-girlfriend is over there. Do you mind pretending to talk to me, like be interested in me? And she's like, what? Like fake dating proposal? Who? And she says, hell no. And I think that's so funny because actually it's so funny. The past, okay, for the past first, for the first week of um, 2020, I read a book like every day and I didn't even realize, but like the most of them, like out of what, seven, like six of them were like fake dating or like fake marriage or like fake engagement. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think that's so funny, actually. Like I didn't even realize either until I was like, I was looking at all of them and I was like, huh. So the fact that he, like, proposed to fake date and she was like, no, are you crazy? Like, that's so funny to me. But yeah. Um, I'm sorry, this is so off topic, but if you hear any, like, weird sounds, it's my dog. She's, like, right on top of me right now. So you, I don't know if the mic's gonna pick it up, but I feel like it is. And it's just, I'm sorry about that. I'm not, I'm not sorry. It's my dog, but you know. Okay, anyways, back to what I was saying. Okay, so um where was i okay so basically he proposes fake dating she says no and she decides that she's very sick of him because she's like oh another guy who wants to use a girl to trick a girl i'm so sick of it i'm so over it and his name is alex and they meet on the cruise and she doesn't like him she just doesn't but he kind of wins her over in like an enemy to lovers way i guess and it's just very cute it's the cutest thing ever because Alex is so sweet and considerate and he's very observant and he just wants to be perfect for her. He wants to be perfect for every girl he's with and he wants to be with her. So like he finds out she's seasick and gets her seasick bands because he's like a future med student and he's like super into like helping people and stuff. And so I'm just kind of like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. Like, hey, hey, oh my gosh, like he's just so freaking cute. And I don't know, I'm kind of obsessed with it. But yeah, so he's like, he just takes care of her. Oh, and he has this weird, like, a set. He's like this, like, thing for, like, foreign snacks, which I think is so fun. Like, I think it's so fun that he's just kind of, like, quirky. I don't want to say quirky, but he is kind of quirky. Like, I like how the love interests are all kind of weird. Like, um, Sam from the last book just being, like, a Hawaiian shirt. Like, he just never doesn't wear Hawaiian. Like, he always wears Hawaiian shirts. Like, he's never not wearing Hawaiian shirt. I think that's funny. I just, I do. I don't know. And so, like, Alex being obsessed with, like, weird foreign snacks is kind of fun to me. And, like, sharing them with Lenore, that's so cute to me. I don't know. And so I feel like, basically, the moral of the story is, <clears throat> that boy is crazy. Because the way, it's the way, like, we literally, the, the keep him on the cruise is, like, 12 days long. By, like, day 10, he's like, look, I'm in love with you. And she's like, oh, um. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, I can get there, maybe. I, but, well, let's slow down. And this is not true. Okay, so obviously everyone knows the romance formula. We fall in love, there's like 100 pages left, and then bam, fight. 
and then we get back together. Um, this is like that. You know, it follows that formula. And so, basically, like, I don't remember, oh, the fight. Okay, so remember I said his ex was on board? So she sees him talking to his ex, and she hears him saying, like, only for the cruise. And she thinks he's talking about their relationship, especially after she talked to Tessa. And Tessa was like, yes, after Jay, it's great if you have, like, a nice, like, summer fling. Like, this is so good for you. Oh, my gosh. And it's, like, that whole thing. And so, basically, like, she's just feeling really in her head, and then she sees him say that to his ex-girlfriend, and it's, like, a whole thing, and so she feels like everything was a lie, and she's been bamboozled once again, and she doesn't want to be hurt again, so she, like, tells him she doesn't want to talk. After she throws her C-bands at him, like, the ones that he got for her so she didn't get seasick, she, like, straight, like, she, like, flings them at him, and then runs off, and then he's, like, no, like, you misunderstood, that's not what I was saying. And it really is a miscommunication, but she's too scared of being hurt again to really listen to him. And I do think that it makes sense, especially considering all the other guys have screwed her over, you know? So, yeah. And so because she is afraid to, you know, get hurt and everything, she doesn't really want to give him a chance. And so she ends up leaving the cruise and, like, talking about, like, oh, like, I never want to see you again. Because she finds out that he lives, like, ten minutes away. Like, they live in, like, the same part of California, which is the total coincidence. But of course it is because we're in a romance book. Of course we have to make this work once we get off the ship, you know. And she's like, I never want to see you again. Like, please don't talk to me. Like, I'm just really hurt. And he's, like, trying to explain it. She's like, look, I just don't want to hear it. You might be right. But I really am sick and tired of, like, boys just screwing me over. Like, I'm so tired of it. But then she realizes, like, wait, I think that I wouldn't be, like, she talks to her best friend, Tessa, the hopeless romantic one. And she's like, Tessa's kind of like, well, you wouldn't be this hurt if you weren't falling in love. You wouldn't care so much if you weren't actually caring about him. If you didn't feel like he mattered to you in more than just the 12-day cruise type way. And so when she thinks about it like that, she realizes like, whoa, like I don't want to leave knowing that I found a guy who's great for me, who actually cares about me, who wants me to be happy, who believes in me, which no one's ever said to me before. He like believes in her and he's just like so freaking sweet to her. And obviously that, just because someone's nice, he doesn't mean they have to be like the love of your life, but like he is her match and he understands her struggles when it comes to deciding her future heck before they're even friends he like goes to the um the cruise printer which costs money and prints out tons of pamphlets for her and like surveys so she can figure out her future who does that he does and it shows like he really does care about her and everything like that but it's also like i think that i'm falling in love with him you know and I think he's kind of falling for me back. And I don't want to ruin a good thing before I even really had it. Because think about it. If you had like a week-long relationship, then why are you so heartbroken? Because you're falling in love, duh. See, this is why I love Tessa. Tessa is so real. Tessa is literally me. Like, I, I mm, love my life. I love her so much, period. But basically, like, I, it's just the whole thing. And, and she goes to, she figures out, like, because he leaved. Okay, okay, whoa, whoa. Destiny, slow down. So... <laughs> okay so basically um it's the last day and she goes to his room but he's already gone because his family left early and so she's like okay so i had to find him she realizes where he was because he said where he was gonna be and um basically she goes to him and she finds him and she's like look i'm sorry i i was scared I was scared you were going to change your mind about me, scared that I was too much for you, and I also wasn't enough for you, and I was scared that you were going to break your heart. 
I mean, you're going to break my heart. And then he replies, I'm never going to break your heart. And she says, first of all, I, I literally highlighted this because it, <laughs> you can't promise that. We don't know. There's no way for us to know for sure. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to risk it with you, even if I'm not perfect at it. I want to be in love with you. And he's like, well, that's good. She's like, is it? And he says, yeah, because I'm already madly in love with you. And I die. And I die. And they kiss and it's great. And and she's like, I don't know what my future's going to be like. I don't know what it's going to be in five years. Because he has like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. She doesn't have any of that. But she knows that in this moment, she's happy. And that makes me happy because she's been struggling. And she also, he helps her like figure out her future and what she wants because she doesn't want to go to NYU all her friends are staying in California she doesn't really want to go to New York City she just thinks she has to be there because she wants to be an artist and she feels a lot of pressure to be decided and so she figures out that she wants to take a gap year and it's very scary to tell her parents that but she ends up telling her parents that with the help of her older brother who I said was acting weird you want to know why he was acting weird because of the constant anxiety he faced at college he missed a class and he had to retake it over the summer so he could get into law school on time because he didn't want to discipline his parents so he told him he, he was already going to law he was going to law school when you didn't even graduate college because they let him walk across the stage but he didn't actually get his diploma which so awkward so we realized that the academic pressure wasn't only on Lenore and that her brother also faced it and it's just like a whole thing of like wow plot twist and so it's like really good and I just I mean that was like a whole spoiler but like I told you in the beginning I was gonna spoil it see I remember this time and that's great um but overall, I really did like this book. I liked the romance, even though Alex was kind of like super in love with her. Like, first of all, we've been together for like a week. But if you're in love with me, like, okay, I mean, I guess because it's Alex. He's like a fictional perfect boy. I, I, I don't know. And obviously, you know, they have their ups and downs and everything. But I just they're great. They're so cute. And I really am happy for Lenore because by the end of the book, she did what her parents asked her to do. She figured out her future. She figured out she wanted to take a gap year. And even though she was scared to tell them, she did because her family came together and supported her. Even her little sister, who is kind of like a robot sometimes, really, you know, just came through for her. And she figured out that it doesn't have to be one thing that you're into. And I think I'm kind of related to that too because... I do like a million things and I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to college and I literally it's so weird now that the year has started everyone's like you know you start senior year at the end of this year and it's just like so much pressure to think about college and majors and scholarships and everything and it's a lot so I relate to um Lenore a lot I guess and so I'm just really glad that I got to read this book and I was really excited for it because I'd known about it since I read Happily, Happily Ever After. I don't think that this book disappointed me at all. I think it was exactly what I needed it to be. And besides that whole hiccup with dialogue, like, I really did enjoy this book. And, yeah, I'm probably going to read it again soon. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was kind of all over the place, but when I'm not all over the place, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just really excited to be back, and I hope that you enjoy my podcast and listen to other episodes. Thank you so much for listening to an episode of Melanated and Educated. If you'd like to hear or see more of me, you can follow me on my social media at the handle Desliloboo. D-S-L-I-L-B-O-O. That's Desliloboo. And you can also continue to listen to episodes of this podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed.